Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. God uses us in such interesting ways, doesn't he? So this morning, I'm going to start and we'll kind of hit the ground. And I'm going to, I want to speak on the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you that from the onset. I want to speak on the Holy Spirit. And in the past, I've kind of chipped away at the Holy Spirit. We've looked at bits and pieces of the Holy Spirit. But it's been some time since we've done an in-depth look at who the Holy Spirit is and a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And I recognize that there, are, there is more than just me in the room. Which means when there's more than one person, there's probably more than one opinion. How many of you agree with that? All right, we're united in that opinion. <laughs> so I'm going to look at a very high level on one aspect of the Holy Spirit today. A couple, well, it's going to, it might look like multiple aspects, but it's actually one aspect uh, when all said and done. And, and, and I just, I know, I know in this, on this topic, it's not possible to address everything the Bible has to say one way or the other. In just 30 minutes. It's, I don't, I think if we spent a week here together and we had coffee and food brought in and cots, we could maybe plow through some of this stuff then. I really think it's that big of a topic. But I believe that it's relevant for us. Um, And let me just kind of give you a a picture, an illustration I have of this. Have you ever lifted anything and you thought was going to be very heavy? And you go to lift it and you go, whoa! You know what I mean? Or maybe the exact opposite. You go to lift something and you think it's very light and you put your hands on it. Yeah? Or what about this? Have you ever taken a step off a step that you thought was just a short step? You know what I'm talking about. It's good to know some things in advance. So this is, this, this message is really a message to say, here's what's in the box. There's no one you're lifting up here. When we talk about grace and kind of how grace defines some of the Holy Spirit, uh, this is what's in our box here as a congregation. Now, anybody who's been through the rivet class has a sense of this anyway, because we actually talk about this in rivet class. It shouldn't be new, entirely new for anybody who's been through rivet class. But I think it's good to amplify on, and I, I firmly believe, again, and I want to be very clear with this, we are not going to get through everything the Bible has to say. So if you walk out of here today and you go, well, you know, Maude, Jim didn't say this. You know, Harold, Jim said that. I've, I've, come on, I have 30 minutes. Okay? okay? I promise, I promise, we'll speak in this again. But 30 minutes today. Go ahead, Dylan. Let's look at the Holy Spirit. Here are some of his attributes. He has more attributes than this. But these are some of the attributes that really stand out that I believe are very, very clear in the Word. You know, with the Holy Spirit, we see Him introduced way back in the beginning of Genesis. The Spirit of God moved to and fro among the land. There's it way back. We see, we know that it's all through the, uh, old, the old Covenant, the Old Testament, there's experiences with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know in Joel, he prophesied in the coming of the Holy Spirit, the things in Joel 2, that things are going to happen uh, with the Holy Spirit in the future, in the last days. So we know the Holy Spirit has a very dominant role in scriptures. So when I say these are some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, truly, these are just a few. 
He will glorify Jesus. We'll never find the Holy Spirit that won't glorify Jesus. Do you know what's really funny to me? Every now and then, I've experienced somebody who will come to me and tell me something from the Holy Spirit that is not in support of Jesus. And I go, man, that is messed up. Of course he's going to glorify Jesus. The Trinity, they all work together. Three peas in a pod. There's a way to picture the Trinity. I don't think they, did they ever teach that in Bible school, three peas in a pod? That's not bad, right? Three peas in a pod. Holy Spirit will tell at his discretion. His discretion in the future. He will tell at his discretion in the future. Okay. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time talking about prophecy in the end. But he will tell at his discretion in the future. And it's really clear. All through the the Old Testament, we see prophecy, 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 prophecy. And I believe there's a new new covenant, New Testament connection to prophecy as well. He can be blasphemed. He can remind us of what uh, he will remind us of what Jesus said. I lean on that. Have you ever talked to somebody and they're talking about they don't, may not might not agree with God, but you, you're 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 trying not to sound like a fool and you want so much to witness to them, but then something amazingly pops into your head and you know what to say to them. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yep. Yeah, he reminds us. He will guide us into the truth. He will be the one to convict. He gives gifts. You get the list. He teaches us. He can be quenched. This quenching thing is fascinating. And I've uh, blasphemed and quenching, there's, they can be very similar, but they are different things. Quenching and blaspheming are also slightly different things. I think it's very actually easy to quench the Holy Spirit. And there's a great illustration of it that even Jesus went through. Are you ready? Jesus goes to his hometown in Nazareth to do miracles. And it doesn't go very well. They didn't receive him. There was a few things that were done, but it wasn't a very big deal. We're talking about Jesus. It is possible to take what God's doing and put it in a box and not even receive it. How many of you, let's let's just have, let's just take a quick poll. How many of you became believers as adults? Did it happen instantaneously? Did it take time? For you adults, did it take time? Here's what I believe that is. In the beginning, we kind of, we're not fully into the Holy Spirit. We kind of push him out. But bit by bit by bit, the Holy Spirit warms us up, doesn't he? Or warms you up. I was a kid. He comforts. He can be grieved. He does comfort. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful comforter. I wish his comfort was immediate and forever, but sometimes it's an ongoing process. But he does comfort. He's his own person. He bears fruit. He's also God. He has the three peas in a pod. He is wonderful. And all of those attributes are wonderful attributes. Probably the most challenging attribute in that list to me is the one to convict. Have you ever known any other believers, anybody who calls himself a Christian, and they love to point out everybody else's faults? Are they the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's job is to, is to be a skullcracker. Isn't it? The Holy Spirit convicts. It's not my job to stand out and tell everybody, although I would like to. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit's role. Now, there's a time in this house that we'll say things are inappropriate in this house, and I'll say, you know, don't do that anymore. There's a a time to say that, but it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. It is not, there is nobody here who has the gift of conviction. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've either met them, or maybe at one point of your life, you've been them. And you thought, wait, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not my job. My job's to love him. 
He'll do, he'll do the heavy work. But other than that, other than that one, I think, and even that is a good thing, but there's such good attributes. There's no attributes on that list that I think, well, that's really a bummer. That's a pain in the neck. Is there anything that stands? There's nothing adverse in that way, is there? The Holy Spirit is good, and he brings good. He brings clarity and wisdom and peace. He brings all of these things. And even when he convicts, it's to convict to pull us to the to proper understanding. He's good. Yeah? All right. So when we give our life to the Lord, we're born of the Spirit. And he brings this stuff. This is excellent. He indwells. This is very good. Okay, go ahead. 2 Timothy 1. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now, this is Paul talking to Timothy, his son in the faith. And this is a great intimate portion. It's a great intimate piece that the spiritual father is writing to his spiritual son. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Wouldn't you love to hear that from your spiritual mentor? You have sincere faith. And that's what he's saying to his, to his mentee. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God. To fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The laying on of my hands. For God gives the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. We could spend a lot of time on this. Ted Manzani, a Beth Messiah, over the last several years, has preached very, very much on this. In fact, he started a class on Saturday mornings, and they call it Plasm Class for Power, Love, and Sound Mind. P-L-A-S. Sound Mind. So, I just, we don't look at the spirit here. The spirit is not a fear. Doesn't mean we're not going to be, have nervous days, but he's going to give us the courage to walk through things. You know, I think of martyrs. I got to think they were not all excited to be martyred. But he gave them the courage to stay true, didn't he? You know, there's a relatively uh, well-known, uh, somewhat modern-day martyr from back in uh, the 40s, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor who really stood firm to his faith, could have left the concentration camp that he was in because he was a, not a Jew. He was put in the camp because of his beliefs, his religious belief system and the things that he did. But he stayed true, and I can't imagine that he liked being there. Can you imagine he liked being there? He did not. The fear didn't override him. The Holy Spirit equipped him to get through that. But of power, you know, power, this is an offensive tool. Power is not a defensive thing. What good is a battery? A battery is meant to be used, to be poured out of power and love. This is agape love. He equips us in this agape way. We're supposed to agape other people. The 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. That's the agape it's talking about. He has, gives us this mindset. Sometimes there's people that really hurt us. Or really offend us. He gives us the mindset to get through. Again, that's an offensive way. It can be defensive, but it's also very offensive. And self-control. The wherewithal to stand. The wherewithal to do something. And I don't mean like working out. But just life with him. To grow in him. The Holy Spirit is very good. So we start to get into this other space. We're born of the Spirit, but then we have these other things. This laying on of hands. What's he talking about? And again, I'm only speaking from a high level. <clears throat> so I want to pause here, and I want to introduce something that's going on, and it's been going on in the 
greater body of believers for a lot of years, it's this belief that the Holy Spirit or, or the Lord doesn't do certain things anymore. And there's a split kind of in the evangelical space of people who thinks he really doesn't do anything anymore miracle-wise, or he does do things miracle-wise. And it's called cessationism. If he stops, he's... If, if, if the Lord has stopped doing miracles today, it's, he's, they're cessationists. If the Lord continues to do miracles, they're continualists. So people generally fall into one of those two buckets in the evangelical, the born-again space. Are you with me so far? Some people say, well, he he doesn't do miracles in the same way. He used to do miracles years ago. He doesn't do them in the same way anymore. And some people say, well, of course he does miracles because I've seen this. Bucket, bucket. And I bet you in this room we have people in this bucket and we have people in this bucket. As a church, we are in this bucket. We think the Lord still does miracles. Now, what's odd to me, and I'm, I want you to know this very clearly, I'm not, if you're in this bucket, if you're a cessationist, don't stop coming here. We're all plowing through the word together. We just look to stay hungry in the word. I hope that none of us are set in our ways. If I find that I'm in this bucket and I shouldn't be in this bucket someday, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump to this bucket. And I think I've demonstrated this in my life several times. Significant doctrines that I've gone, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. But I do believe, in this case, I'm in the right bucket. But I'm still, I'm still searching. I'm still in the quest. The quest stops in heaven. And then a new quest starts. I'm going to sit down with Jesus. I'm going to sit down with anybody else that wants to sit down with me. And I want a lot of answers. <laughs> you too, yeah? But in the meantime, we all plow through together. This is not a specific bucket-only congregation. It's okay to be in this bucket. And I hope you feel welcome here always, regardless of the bucket that you're in. But we are in this bucket. We believe that God continues to do gifts. We believe the Holy Spirit is equipped with gifts. This cessation bucket is an interesting bucket because in the cessation bucket, there's an extreme, there's a range of cessationists. On this bucket, it's just one bucket. There's kind of one mindset, God still does all this stuff. On the cessationist bucket, some people will say God does nothing. And some people will say the Holy Spirit does pretty many things, but not as much many as what these people believe. So there's this range in the bucket. You tracking with me so far? All right, next slide. So Acts 2 <clears throat> And I'm going to address one of the reasons, one of the great challenges that people in this bucket have with people in this bucket. The sensationists, the the stop, versus the people who are still moving forward. This is one of the, there are several key challenges, but this is one of them. Peter's standing with the eleven in Acts 2, so Jesus has risen, he's gone back into heaven, and the group of disciples have gone to Jerusalem, and this tongues of fire appeared over their head, and they spoke in different languages, And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice up and addressed them. All these people that heard them and saw this stuff happening. Men of uh, of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Joel chapter 2. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, for they shall prophesy, and they shall prophesy. All right, so right in the middle, that's the part I want to pull out here. 
Uh, we are not drunk. Sometimes, sometimes people in the name of the Lord can look really weird. Odd things can happen. And they can look drunk. You know, there's an expression, and I've used this. Some of you have heard me use it. Uh, bark like a dog. I had somebody approach me several years ago and say, we should have a, uh, an altar call where people are allowed to roll around on the floor and bark like dogs if they want to. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> she was passionate about it. She really believed that that's what God had told her to do. And I said, that's not what God told me what to do. And we had a difference. Some things look, look odd. That was a very much a move of God that happened at that time, but it sure looked odd to a group of people, didn't it? it looked, they looked drunk. And people said, look, they're drunk. It looked odd. Sometimes people look at the continuous, people who still think there's miracles happening, and the continuous kind of look odd. And maybe appropriately so, and maybe inappropriately so. Because they think they can roll on the floor and bark like a dog. Are you with me? Yeah. I think how the two camps view things is very different. And it's something else that really stands out to me. If I look at uh, the scriptures, it says, let all things be done decently in order. What, what things? Oh. All things. No barking like a dog. <coughs> Excuse me. I suppose God's God, if he wants us to bark like dogs, we're going to bark like dogs and we're going to sound really good doing it. <laughs> Go ahead. So, <clears throat> there's another element to the Holy Spirit here that I think is important for us to see. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, this is John, John the Baptist, after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Bam! Fire. This is big. He wasn't saying this just to the apostles who had tongues of fire on their head. He was saying this to a lot of people, wasn't he? We read in Acts 1, For John baptized with water, and this is Jesus himself saying this, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're already believers. They're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be something else that occurs. Not many days from now, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. You see how this, now we're seeing a connection, power and witnessing, in the same phrase. In fact, if we would spend a lot of time going over the power and the witnessing through the Bible, we'd see multiple places the Holy Spirit was given to be a more effective witness for outreach. I don't know why it is, but there's a lot of churches in America, probably worldwide, that use Sunday mornings as the only time to be in the Lord's presence and try to jam all this power into one hour on Sunday morning. But it looks to me, and again, this is just one sliver of a verse. There's a lot of scripture on this. There is a lot of power that's supposed to be carried out to the world. We don't believe the Lord is done moving. There's a, there's a, a well-known uh, author who's got a great expression, you know. If you're, if you're a sensationist, you're probably going to be until God does a miracle in your life. I just let that soak in for a minute. I, I think there's some truth to that. But we believe we need to take the power in the world. I cannot tell you how many times in my life 
that I will stand and I will, I will give testimony to God in this, that I have been used in places with people who don't know him. And the Lord will speak very specifically to me. And I'll say, praise God, have you ever? And I'll hear from God, in other words, and I'll tell them. This has happened to me a number of times. I'll be with a, somebody who doesn't know God, doesn't know the first thing about God. And I'll say, you know, the Lord will say something very specific. We, we, I got, there's like a flood of examples. This is a very common thing for me. Yeah, I remember when I was a little boy, my mom worked with a, a woman. I remember this story. The woman shared this story a lot. Uh, she was not a believer, and one day they're having lunch together, and they're looking for a parking space, and uh, the Lord challenged, uh, she, this lady challenged my mom, well, if God's going to do something, then he needs to give us a good parking space. Because in this rainy day, my mom said, okay, God, we need a good parking space, basically to be a testimony. Sure enough, right next to the door, that one day that the challenge came, they got a parking space next to the door. I know, you, you say, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal was the lady got saved then. And then her husband got saved. And then her kids got saved. And that was enough to push her into salvation. Don't you think that's a kind of a miracle? Every single salvation that occurs to me is a kind of a miracle because it's evidence of the Holy Spirit working. No, I don't think the Holy Spirit's done working. Go ahead. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. For as knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. All right, there you go. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Right now, we are operating very much in a sliver of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. We have attributes that we've gone through. We have the word that we'll go through. In our lifelong journey, we learn more of who the Holy Spirit is. But as we go on and on and on and on and on in our life, we learn a little bit more, a little bit more, but it's still only partial. Someday, we get to the perfect. And when is the perfect? It's the end. We're in glory land. That's the perfect. We won't need prophecies there. We won't need knowledge in that same way there. I've got to think, do you think all knowledge has gone away on earth? Of course not. So I've heard people use the scripture and say, oh, prophecies have gone away. Well, then if that's the case, the knowledge would have gone away. And when's it going to go away? When the perfect comes. We can't pick and choose. Knowledge stays, prophecy goes. That's not how this works. We can't have some miracles. Sensationists who believe that no, no miracles occur until the return, and there are a few, the sensationists that believe that, how do they explain their own salvation? How do they explain the fact that they have knowledge, a living knowledge from the living spirit that pulls them closer to perfection every day? What is that called? Say miracle, say miracle, miracle. That's what that is. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. You know what's a miracle? That all of us from all different places in our lives, some from Milwaukee, some from Minnesota, praise God for Minnesota, not the Vikings though. By the way, can I, I actually have to say this. I was in this church last week and it's a New York Giants country. And during my message, I just felt the Lord come over me. And I had to tell him as a Packer fan, we think that all the New York Giants, well, we think that they're cute. <laughs> then I went back to preaching. All I heard was, uh. <laughs> All through the room. Nobody said anything else. Uh, take the gospel to their house, I tell you. 
more miracles all over the place. Now, I've heard people say, and all I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, there's a fine line here, promote what I've seen as gospel versus promoting the gospel. Because we see something that doesn't make it right. Have you ever seen something you realize later was not quite right? And a lot of police will say eyewitnesses don't necessarily, aren't even always accurate, even though they saw. I believe that the Lord is still moving. I believe that he's still doing things that are miraculous. And the Spirit, this is a big part of his role. And I seek God for answers to prayer because I believe he looks to bring answers to prayer. And I've heard people use, uh, um, they want to, so this is a trend right now. There's a New Testament scholar that I follow on online and he prints stuff and he's very good. He's a cessationist, totally a cessationist actually. And uh, he's got his belief for it. And I, I read about it, I think, how can this be? And his rationale, his logic doesn't make sense to me. I like metrics. And anytime people say, we need proof of something, well, they have to get ready because the, argument, the proof argument can get very messy. It requires a different way of thinking. So if we ask for proof on something, we have to get ready for that argument. So this professor that I follow, he'll say, we need proof of miracles. All right, then we've got to start to ask other questions. What defines a miracle? I think salvation is a miracle. He changed us. He brought us from all over, brought us to the same mindset. I think that's amazing. I can go to Russia. We can go to Russia right now, and we're going to find people who have the same mindset as us. Not culturally, but life values and through the Bible. That's a miracle. So we have to define what is a miracle? When does a miracle take place? When doesn't a miracle take What's not a miracle? How do we report what miracles are? Who is a reporting vehicle? I've seen things in my life and I say, okay, I don't think I need to prove it because I've seen it happen. I've seen legs grow. Some of you have seen legs grow. I've seen, <clears throat> I've shared this before. We prayed for a young lady who had an air cast on. She had a very bad sprain, the kind that they say it probably should have broken. It would have healed better. And we prayed for her. She got happened that day. We prayed for her at the end of the day, and her ankle just went, and the air cast fell down her foot. I saw it deflate. What do you mean God doesn't do miracles? Do you want to go back to the doctor to tell her that the swelling's down? I don't know. I've been healed. I, I heard one person say, well, miracles don't count if it's a cold or the flu. That's too minor. Well, if you've had the cold or flu and you've been healed, you don't think that's too minor, do you? <laughs> so if we're going to start to qualify miracles and quantify miracles, we really have to have the right language for miracles. I think believers are all over the board. And the reality is, if, we, if our God doesn't do these things today, there's a lot of things I don't understand in the Bible then. I do think he still does it. And I'd go with expectations. But I will tell you, I think in America, we don't see as much as other parts of the world. I think other parts of the world, they lean on God. They need God for food. They need God for money. And guess what they get? Food and money. And I can't imagine telling them that there are no miracles. Can you imagine that? There is a great many things that we could probably share that we've seen ourselves. Some of it will be a very logical kind of miracle. In other words, the kind that pulled us to salvation. Maybe it was a dramatic miracle where we saw somebody miraculously healed. Maybe it was a subtle healing like a cold. You know, I've known people, I've, I've had healing. 
Do I, need, I didn't go to the doctor beforehand when I had a cold. I'm not going to follow up with a, with a, hey, do I still have a cold doctor? I know when I'm miraculously healed. I've had two big healings in my life that really changed me. I do believe that God still is in the miracle business, and I believe it's meant to be a, something that we take out in the world and share. And just like the prophets didn't receive, I'm sorry, uh, the people from Jesus' own hometown didn't receive him, I think it's entirely possible to logic out, to squeeze out the Holy Spirit moving. We can grieve the Spirit by not even listening to him. So why did I want to share this? Do you remember? I just wanted us to all be on the same page, kind of where we are as a church. This is what we believe. I think we do it very um, in order. I do. I kind of wish you all would have been in the room when this lady asked me about the altar calls and having us roll on the floor like bark like dogs. I wish you could have been a part of that conversation because we have these conversations from time to time. And I wish you could have just heard me say, oh, I don't think that's for us. We will look always to do things decently and in order here. And, and I know, and again, I know we're on the spectrum of how much God does miracles or not does miracles. I understand that. We can worship together, and the Holy Spirit's going to continue to bring us to the same thinking. Whatever that is, he's going to change our thinking. He's going to align us to what he wants us to be, but we don't need to bonk each other over the head with it. Because the Holy Spirit will do the dirty work. Amen? Yeah. I'm excited to see what he does. I pray for him all the time. Lord, do more in my life, that I can be a vessel for you, that I can carry you out. You know, we're supposed to walk out in agape for believers and non-believers. We see great many people come to know the Lord just because of subtle miracles. Subtle miracles. He's in the miracle business today. The Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. I'll talk more about this off and on as time goes on. I really wanted to share this message today because next week we're going to have a prophet here. Some of you go, a prophet? I think the Lord still prophesies. So, you know, I heard it. Just give me two minutes, okay? I think this is relevant. There are some folks who believe the Lord doesn't prophesy anymore. The Holy Spirit's not doing that. He's out of that prophecy business. He stopped in the Old Testament or he stopped... Uh, with the creation of the new covenant, the creation of the scriptures. My problem with that is, in the Old Testament, there were prophets, and not everything they prophesied went in the Bible. Tracking with me so far? So it's possible to prophesy things that don't end up in the Bible. There were hundreds of prophets at different times. David prophesied, Saul prophesied, but not Saul's prophecies ended up in the scriptures. There are things in the Old Testament that were prophesied, Micro, uh, micro words from God that didn't end up in the scriptures. And I think in the New Covenant, we have the same thing. Micro words of God that don't end up in the scriptures, but we use the scriptures to validate them. Nothing that anybody ever prophesies trumps scriptures. Do you know the exception to that? There's no exception to that. <laughs> that was a trick question. Yeah. Nothing ever trumps it. And I've had people come to me and say, well, the Lord say we should do this. And I say, man, that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we shouldn't do that. And they've been very upset with me. You know, that's a whack out word, man. I'm not going to listen to that. I've had things that were spoken in my life from prophecy that I think is unbelievably accurate. And one of, I'll tell you, one of them 
we were leaving Alaska, and there's a group of people praying for us and sending us out to start this church. And I'm just a young teenage kid, you know, still good looking, but young teenage <laughs> kid. And, and there was a prophecy that, amongst other things, that I would have love for Jew and a Gentile. And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> of course I do, because look at my family. <laughs> True? Right. Jewish family, Gentile family. Easy. It's a no-brainer. And I held on to that prophecy for a number of years, and I still thought that was eh, awkward. <laughs> I thought it was weird. And there was a couple other things that happened in my life and other prophetic words, and all of a sudden, the picture started to become more clear that I would be involved in the Jewish community. You have to know, before this stuff happened, I thought the Messianic Jewish community was not for me. It was not for me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm hearing these words. Obviously, I got involved in the Messianic Jewish community. It was way ahead of things. Another time, there was a... Uh, this is not that long ago, about seven years ago, somebody came to me, somebody who I think is very credible, and they said, the Lord laid a verse in my heart for you. See, a prophecy, just a verse delivery. This is the verse, and this is why the Lord wants you to hear this verse. And it was a, kind of a funny verse. It was an unusual verse, and I believe it was from the book of Joel. Not a lot of stuff is quoted from the book of Joel. And I thought, oh, okay, well, thanks so much. Six months later, somebody else who doesn't even connect to the first person came to me and said, you know, the Lord laid this verse on my heart, and it's from the book of Joel. It was the same verse. And here's, here's why. And it was the same reason why. I go, whoa, you got my attention now. Right? I've had other things happen. Alan Ross, was the Lord used Alan Ross to once tell me that I was going to be a trainer in the business, in the marketplace. And at the time, I'm thinking, that's ludicrous. Six months later, they came to me and offered me a job. I want you to form a team. What kind of team? A training team. Oh, a training team. I do believe the Lord speaks prophetically. Now, I don't take prophecy and just get all weird with it. Some people get prophecy and they get weird. Ah, nah. I put, uh, you know what? I'll save, I'll save what I do with prophecy for another day. But Alan Ross is coming next week. If you've never heard him, come check him out. Maybe there'll be a word for you. All he'll do, if there's a word for you, he'll ask you to stand. He'll preach, by the way. He's a good preacher. He's got that crazy Scottish accent. But he's a good preacher. And then when he's done uh, preaching, he'll go through and he'll just ask a few people if he can pray for them. And he'll pray and he'll just deliver a word. And then he goes on about his day. So check him out. Unless you don't like Scotsman. <laughs> and yes, he got married wearing a kilt. I think it's a funny question. People always want to ask that other question, too, about the kilts, but I'm not going to get there. <laughs> so please stand up if you would. Let's close with a day of prayer. No, I mean a word of prayer. There we go. So, Lord God, there's so much going on in your word. And Holy Spirit, we recognize for Holy Spirit what's happening and <clears throat> that you look to always lead us closer to, to the Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for this great, ongoing, revelatory experience in our life. Lord God, we just uh, we ask that you continue to operate in ways that we can see, so we can be encouraged, so we can share with each other on what you do. We thank you for this work. Thank you for my family here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Peace while we're on the quest. Yes? Yes. All right, be blessed.
Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.